And hi, everybody. My name is Patrick Dundas. I am the Director of Education and the host of the Integrated Interventions Podcast. And today joining us are Brian Applegate and Joshua Westby. Uh, Brian is a coordinator for Integrated Interventions and Joshua is the Director of Therapeutic Services. Uh, Welcome, guys. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Patrick. Thank you. Well, today we're going to be talking about um, treatment and career paths within treatment. And that's a really interesting thing about um, the people that work for Integrated is that their pathways into this career field are varying. And I'll I'll start with you, Joshua, because um, kind of right out of school, you jumped into working in the treatment world. Can you give us a little bit of background of what kind of led you here? Yeah, so it's a little bit nuanced in that um, this wasn't the career path that I wanted for myself at all. Um, I knew that I wanted to help people, but I thought I was going to do that um, with a law degree and working, um, in a courtroom. And, uh, after getting into law school and realizing that, um, that law isn't what I wanted to practice and that that isn't uh, the best way to help people. Um, I answered a, an ad on Craigslist for a position working in sober living homes with people who were newly uh, out of treatment and, uh, fell in love and realized that I wanted to be in this field forever. Um, but yeah, definitely stumbled into it. I didn't know going into school that it's what I wanted um, until I kind of found it. Brian, tell us a little bit about your pathway into this field. Yeah, so I guess I've always kind of been drawn to helping professions. So, um, you know, in the past I had thought firefighter, police officer, um, you know, those kind of the obvious ones. And for whatever reason... Uh, social work was never really on my radar. Um, and I, I'd been working other jobs and just, um, wasn't satisfied. And I responded to an ad here at integrated as a mentor and thought that maybe I could help by sharing some of my skills and interests. And then from there, it just all kind of took off and, um, kind of led me down this road that I'm on now. So, Also joining us on the podcast is Executive Director of Integrated Interventions, uh, Chris Garrett. Glad that you could also join us today when we're talking about pathways into this career field, working in the treatment world, and how sometimes people's pathways are you know, traditional and non-traditional. Can you tell us about your direction into working for Integrated or just working in this uh, therapeutic field in general? How, how did you get here? Sure. Um, probably 14, 15 years ago, I messed up my knee and decided to go back to school. Um, chose the social work path at that time. Um, ended up going into to treatment and working as direct care staff in, in other programs. Um, so during that time, I was working on a bachelor's degree and then my master's degree in social work. Uh, eventually became a therapist working in this field. Um, and then stepped away for a number of years, did my own thing. Um, worked in hospital settings, community health settings, uh, other programs, you name it. Uh, I've pretty much been there. Um, and then eventually, you know, met back up with Terry and Angela who I'd met in previous programs and started the journey here with integrated. What's kept you in this field? Uh, well, I've, I've stepped away at times. Um, but definitely the thing that keeps me in, you know, I, I think to shoot, just a, a couple of days ago when I was down in Texas visiting our students and I came across a particular student that we've, we've definitely, um, you know, been through the ringer with a few times and 
they, they graduated high school that day. Um, and that was, you know, one of the, the best days of the year for me is seeing that student excited and happy that they graduated high school. Uh, it's been a really long road for them. So that's the kind of stuff that keeps me in when I, when I see success, when I see somebody that, that everybody else has written off in their life, um, succeed and, and move forward. Those are the pretty much the only thing that keeps me in this field really is, is seeing that success and, and feeling like I've been a part of impacting somebody's life. Well, same thing for me too. You know, it's those moments of seeing someone struggle for a long periods of time in something and then having that breakthrough moment, kind of that light bulb moment in a way. But it's definitely, I feel like the commonality that keeps us all going is like seeing those successes, especially when they have had challenges in so many areas of their lives and a lot of uh, not successful ventures if maybe they've been in previous programs and then they come to us and we're able to recalibrate their life view and then they have those successes. It's definitely one thing that keeps me, keeps me going as well because um, this is a, a field that's notorious for burnout. So to be able to keep going um, says a lot, um, I feel like, about those who are in the career field that do the things they need to do in order to, to stay present and be successful. Joshua, how about for you? What's, what's kept you here? Yeah, so it's a lot of, of the same, right? The, it's those light bulb moments. Um, for me, I teach um, when I work with our staff that success isn't measured in day-to-day -day successes of our students. Um, success in our field is measured over a long period of time. Uh, and if I can give some piece of knowledge or some wisdom that a student can hold on to for 20 years once they leave here, and suddenly it makes a little bit of sense in their life when they need it, um, I've done a good job. But obviously, I'm not going to see that success 20 years down the road. Uh, and so today, what's kept me in the field of moving is that knowledge of, of planting seeds that are going to grow over time. Um, and we see those seeds start to sprout while they're here, and that's really fulfilling. Um, and then getting letters or emails um, or Facebook requests from students 10, 15 years down the road that I've worked with and seeing them have families and being successful um, is super empowering. And it helps me to realize that those seeds that we plant here really do lead to success in the long term. What keeps you going, Brian, in those times where the, the challenges of this field that can lead to burnout, but you're able to look at it and be like, hey, this is you know what I want to do and I want to stay here? I think these guys are right on with, um, you know, seeing some of these wins for students. Um, yeah, that's a really good feeling. And I think to be able to appreciate that, uh, there's not, there's not a lot of instant gratification in this field. And so to be able to take all those little wins and take a step back and be able to see what this means for somebody going forward, I think, um, that's important, but and then I just think about the support that I've had here at Integrated. Uh, so had a good team here that's been willing to teach me everything that, um, that they know. And uh, yeah, I think that's a big reason why I'm here too, because like you said, there's a lot, there's a lot of burnout and um, it can be difficult at times, but we got a solid team here, so that helps. You referenced wins, uh, student wins in particular. Can you give me an example of some of those wins that we, that we see, especially on a level where you're coordinating a student program? Right. Um, yeah, big wins are, you know, we always start with work ethic as the basis of the program and build out around that. So when you see students that come here who've never held a job, um, start to get... Uh, 
get interest back on job applications and sitting down and doing mock interviews and things like that and seeing uh, people's confidence grow and then they finally land that job. Uh, so you get wins like that. Chris mentioned high school. I just had a student recently graduate. Um, we did. Yes, Thanks, Patrick. <laughs> it was a, it was a team effort, and um, you know, being I'm a certified special education teacher, but it was definitely a group effort to be able to bring this student to where they are now. And I I couldn't have done that without you, Brian, and I couldn't have done that without the mentors and everyone that's worked together. To it's it's definitely a village effort. Um, and that is uh, one of the awesome things about integrated is that at any given time, um, people will jump out of what is the per a perceived scope of a job description in order to see the success of that student. And I think that says a lot about the people that work here because they're in it to see that growth. And then, you know, and when you don't see the growth right away, you're like, man, what am, what am I doing here? Why am I doing this? But it's those wins down the road when you see, I mean, Joshua, you referencing a Facebook request down the road 10 years or, or a, a Christmas card or something and being like, wow, I remember where they were and now look at them and where they're going. Um, it's a pretty amazing thing. And when we kind of reference pathways into the profession, all of us have gotten into it in different ways. Um, with mine being an education background and you guys being more of a you know, therapeutic in terms of uh, therapy and uh, the social work side of things. What are the various pathways? We'll start with you, Chris, so that um, someone can get into this field. Sure. I mean, really what it comes down to is a desire to help people. You know, I find that almost every mentor that comes through the door, when asked why, why are you here? Generally, it's because I want to help people. Um, a lot of people have gone through a lot of stuff in their lives and they found good ways to cope with that. They've, they've gone to therapy themselves. Um, you know, they've, they've started and completed courses at school to learn more about the field, learn more about psychology. And a lot of times that leads them into this field. You know, they'll, they'll have class members uh, that work in this field and, and kind of tip them off. Um, so, so definitely uh, life experience, I think, is something that leads a lot of people into this field. We get a lot of applicants that are older in years than, than just college students, you know, that apply here and bring a ton of wisdom. Um, so so some, of our, some of our mentors come from walks of life you wouldn't even expect to, to lead them here um, with the desire to impart the knowledge they have to, to younger people and help them move forward. Um, so really, it, it could be anything on your path to integrated. It doesn't have to be a social work focus or a psychology focus. We actually look for people that have uh, interests and, and talents outside of that scope and, and try to recruit people that can teach our students real life skills um, and also introduce them to, to other interests that they may not be introduced to in day-to-day -day life or in a confined treatment program. Uh, oftentimes they're exposed to college students and people that are looking to become counselors uh, or social workers. They're not exposed to somebody who might be out rock hounding, looking at, at geodes and things like that. Um, where in our program, they're going to be exposed to that. They're going to be exposed to people who love to hunt and fish um, and be outdoors. And, and we know that that's important for uh, recovery and treatment in general. So, so yeah, it really, any, any path can, can lead you here. And then we can help uh, develop the skills you need to be a successful mentor and, and even develop into leadership positions within the company. What are some of the career paths that also exist within this field? Because uh, we've had uh, people that have worked for us that kind of got their foundation in this therapeutic setting and then realized, well, maybe I want to try something else that's related to this, but not exactly this. 
Uh, what are some examples of some of the careers that people can pursue within uh, this world of this therapeutic world we work in? Oh, wow. Is that for me? It, it can also be for Joshua. <laughs> I don't know. I figured I'll, I'll, we'll make it round robin. You know, we can go around the room. Yeah, it's interesting because there's a lot. There's a lot of different roles that go into mental health treatment, right? From um, a nurse that helps to manage medications, to a psychiatrist who prescribes them, to a psychologist that does uh, mental health testing, to the therapist that sees them once a week um, or intervenes in crisis, to the mentors that are doing the day-to-day -day work. Um, you know, in in our field. There's a lot of different areas that touch on on what we do. Um, the nice thing about integrated is because our program is is integrated, if you don't mind the phrasing, into the community. Uh, everybody is a part of the treatment process. The girl at the coffee shop who you have to exchange money um, for goods with is teaching a life skill, right? Um, and if they do that, if our students do that side by side with a mentor, then that coffee shop gal is now just as integral to this process as anybody else. Um, so when I think about uh, how you get into this field, uh, Chris is right. It's, it's, it's a desire to help people, right? And I know personally, it was a four-hour conversation I had in the middle of the night with a kid who was fresh out of treatment, living in sober living, that tripped me into wanting to do this the rest of my life. Um, because I felt so fulfilled from that conversation that I knew I had to figure out how to do that every day, right? And although I don't get that same feeling of excitement every day in every four-hour conversation, um, it's chasing those successes, right? Um, but if I was going to leave the therapeutic role today, um, and still be part of the treatment process, um, it could be managing programs or like an education consultant or those who bring students into programs and work with parents, um, parent coaches, life coaches. There's a bunch of different avenues you can take. And for you, Brian, I know that once you started this um, position, you realized that you, you wanted to go back to school to kind of work towards um, being able to have the education that, um, to back up your career aspirations. Um, what have you learned thus far that you feel really applies towards that educational process? Cause you're, you're gaining a lot of, um, you know, on the fly skills in your daily job. That I feel like really kind of help probably inform your, your educational journey as well. Yeah. The nice thing about working at integrated and going to school at the same time, uh, is that I didn't have to open my books very often. Um, I was able to complete most of my assignments uh, just based on experience. So um, it definitely helps um, being here. And like I said, I've, I've received a, a ton of training here and it all applies directly to school. So um, yeah, I'm interested to take some of these higher level classes and uh, maybe crack the book, crack into the book <laughs> and see what I get out of it. But so far, it's been uh, it's been pretty easy. So I like to to impress my professors because we'll fill out documents and as a part of class, and they'll say like, "This is a professional quality document." Like, we're really impressed by this, and like, yeah, I do twenty of these a week. <laughs> like, it should be professional. So, and Brian brings up a good point too with integrated in our continued training. Um, all of our directors have taught at the collegiate level one way or another. Uh, and when we teach trainings to our staff um, for two hours every week, we're integrating a lot of the, the real-world college education into our training. Um, and for mentors who have been with us for a year or more, um, they get a really in-depth understanding of, of this field um, at the collegiate level. So even though they're not working towards a degree, it's cool to, to walk mentors through 
you know, what is crisis and how do we de-escalate de it? What is relationship? What are boundaries? Um, you know, what does success look like uh, in a way that, that's educational and practical to the work that we do? What differentiates uh, someone that works in a residential setting versus a setting that we're in, you know, more of a young adult transition? Um, because I, I thought that was a really interesting point that you made about, the say, the barista who works um, at the you know local coffee shop and our student goes in there and they're actually participating in a process, a life skill process, and they might not be aware of it. And the student may not be aware of it too, but the fact that we're able to have that um, that setting, what makes the difference between the two? Because I know for some, they may not understand, you know, what is residential? What is it? How, how is it different than what we do and that kind of thing? Yeah, so it's a really good question. Uh, you know, with 10 years of experience in the field working in all different kinds of settings, the biggest takeaway that I have between a residential program and a transitional program like we are uh, is power and control, right? Uh, we're not making our students do anything. We're helping students to understand consequence and the process of life. And in doing that, our students get to make decisions. Um, so the same way that um, in a residential program, if a student refused to do something, they may lose privileges. Here, they may have the natural consequence of if you don't go to work, you'll lose your job. Right? I'm not going to force you out of bed. I'm not going to force you in the car. I'm not going to force you to work. I'm going to sit there and explain to you all of the consequences of this action so that you can make an informed decision. And when you don't like those consequences, how to process through those feelings and move forward. Yeah, I, I, I think of the big difference being creativity. So when I worked in residential treatment, um, you didn't have to be that creative. Everything was already mapped out. Um, it was mapped out for the students, mapped out for for the employees, everybody. Like you, you just follow that that map and get from A to B. Um, here, our mentors have to be creative. Every moment is a teachable moment. That's something that Terry talks about all the time. So, so when we're talking about the the big difference, it's it's that student with the barista. Um, you might have to get creative just to get that student out of bed in the morning to go to a coffee shop and have that experience. And then you have to be creative in that experience to provide the adequate feedback to the student. Like, Hey, this went well, this didn't go well. Um, and present it in a way that is helpful for that student. Um, and, and you don't have to worry about five, five other students being in the coffee shop and running in the back to see who's smoking in the bathroom and who's out front, you know, meeting up with a buddy you're not worried about that stuff. It's one-on-one -on -one. you're with the student, you're teaching them in that moment and you, you get a lot of traction out of that with students and you get to build a relationship. Um, it's, it's a huge difference when it comes to the residential side. I really admired uh, mentors in residential treatment that could build relationship and, and find ways to, to do that with all the chaos that can be going on around you and all the different tasks you have to complete. Um, but you know, in, in, in this side of things, when we're transitioning, finding ways to build that relationship and having opportunities are so much greater and it helps our students move forward that much quicker. So we talked about earlier the differences and kind of similarities between traditional residential and young adult transition programs or, you know, more of a transition focused program. Um, what are the positives of a residential? Cause there are definitely positives in, in all those different areas and being that both of you have worked a lot in that and I've worked in it um, as well, but not as much on the, um, I'd say, management level as you have. Um, can you tell us a little bit that? We'll start with you, Chris, and then we'll go to Joshua. Sure. So I've seen a lot of really cool things come from residential treatment. You know, oftentimes we, we have students come to our program uh, who have just recently graduate, graduated residential treatment, or um, maybe they struggled with it, but 
you know, when you're, when you're thinking about a student that's going through that developmental process of being an adolescent and all the ups and downs that come with that, uh, you know, from parent and child relations to hormones, to the various diagnoses that they may or may not get right while, while going through that developmental stage of life. Um, what residential treatment does oftentimes is it provides a cocoon for that, that student to, to learn and grow in a safe environment. So, you know, they'll learn therapeutic skills while they're, they're there. Oftentimes they'll get a lot done with high school where, you know, in a, in, at home, they may not even go to school, um, but they can accomplish a lot in high school through those programs. So oftentimes what it does, it prepares students to, to enter our world. Um, and then we can pick up the ball right, right where it left off and really start integrating them into society. So, so a big shout out to all the, the programs that we've worked with in the past and that we continue to work with that, um, you know, recommend sending students our way to really help get them entrenched in the real world and what it looks like to be an adult. Um, can't, I can't thank those programs enough for the work that they do and, and for the, the challenges that they, they struggle with while that student's developing. Yeah, no, you're totally right. The, the biggest takeaway for me between residential and what we do, thinking from uh, the positives, is a residential program teaches structure. It teaches how to process, how to put words to emotions, and to start understanding what's going on in their world. So that when they get to us, um, it's how do you apply that understanding to broaden what the world can be for you. Um, you know, I think of the you know the famous adage of of your asking your mom something and she says no, and you're like why? And she says because because I said so. Right? Residential treatment programs teach that we can accept that as an answer. Transitional programs grow from that and teach that we are allowed to look at the meanings behind that no um, in a way that's appropriate and doesn't push back against societal norms and all of that. Um, but they can really go hand in hand. Um, and like Chris said, you know, the work in residential programs um, is difficult. And the, the students that we work with often, um, they don't understand structure and control. They don't understand emotional regulation. And to teach that um, takes a lot of patience and a lot of hard work. Well, it's exciting, too, when someone comes in with a focus of, you know, that like an attitude of like, I'm ready to launch here. I just know that I'm going to need some help in these specific areas um, what are some of those specific areas that, you know, we're looking at when a student comes in after successfully graduating from uh, a more residential setting? Yeah. And this kind of goes back to what Joshua was talking about of having a student that's used to structure, you know, when, when we're looking at spiral dynamics and where we, we want to help our students uh, get to on that spiral, that, that blue level, that, that structured level of thinking. Um, I, I love them coming in and having a good knowledge and understanding of that structured level of speaking of thinking, it doesn't mean they're not going to slide back into impulse because with, with freedom comes impulse. Right. But they also understand, um, after engaging in those impulsive activities and, and falling on their face a few times, once we start implementing some structure back into that, they actually see the real world application of that structure. I'm not just doing this because the program's telling me to, I'm actually seeing that if I put in five applications this week, I'm going to get two callbacks and I might get one job, you know, as opposed to, I'm just going to go out there and shout on the street corner that I want a job and see what happens. You know, it doesn't work. So it's, it's an application of the things that they've already learned and, and we can take that in real time and help them move, move along that spiral, get into the structured thinking and, and even push into that, that upper level, that five level of thinking where they're, they're implementing the structure now themselves. They're engaging in it. Not, not because the structure, the, the program said it's a good idea they're actually seeing real world benefits from doing that. They're starting to get a paycheck. They're starting to want to work so they can get a paycheck. They're, they're paying for their own food for the first time. Mom and dad aren't buying their meals. 
they're doing it themselves. So it really helps slide them into those upper levels of functioning that we're striving to, to push them into and work with them to get into. And, and once they're there, they don't need us anymore. You know, so we can be the last stop and, and we want to be the last stop on that program journey. So when they leave us, they're, 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 they're doing these things for themselves and not for their parents, not for us, uh, not for anybody else in their lives other than for themselves and moving forward. Yeah. And having dedicated coordinators that work with students helps um, a young adult as they're transitioning from residential into our program um, to have the structure in, in the beginning and that support that can be backed off over time so that the student starts to take the wheel themselves. Um, our coordinators aren't emotionally engaged with our students the way that a parent would. Um, so there's less emotional connection there. There's less uh, weight in what we do um, or the weight that we put on our students for their successes or failures. And because of that, um, we get to be um, impartial in the work that we do with our students and help them to make decisions without that fear of, if I fail, you're going to be upset with me, right? Um, and so our coordinators work really hard with students, um, especially that are coming right out of residential program, to establish what those boundaries look like for themselves so they can start to define that um, and build a life that's going to be sustainable over the, long, uh, over the long haul so that they can um, utilize that structure that they build for themselves without the need of any program. And as Chris said, uh, that helps so that we're the last stop so students can go off from here and be successful. Brian, as a coordinator, um, what part does structure play? I mean, Joshua and Chris have done a great job of kind of illustrating the importance of structure, but then it comes to that implementation piece within the coordinator responsibilities. Um, how do you apply structure and work with the student to apply those aspects in order to you know, work towards that level of success? I'm thinking about applying structure. So I guess you have to look backwards from from what the end goal is maybe and so i don't know i don't use a real world example you have a couple of good real world examples just yeah go with a real world example I, i can i mean so for me like when i think of of brian and his journey with us he's a living model of what we expect the students to be doing. Right. So he's, he's not going to school because integrated told him he has to go to school to receive a promotion or to move on. He's going to school because he wants to, we gave him a promotion before we even had an idea that we were going to, you know, continue to encourage this process with school and help and foster that. Um, he's putting things into his life that are going to help him reach this end goal. Um, he can use his path and his trajectory to help teach students. And I'm sure he's fallen on his face a few times and can use those examples too, um, just like like Joshua and I. And there's multiple times, you know, I dropped out of school at, at least three times, maybe four, before something stuck, you know, when it comes to college. I worked multiple jobs before before entering this field, testing out the waters and seeing what, what worked for me. And in some cases failed miserably, in other cases was successful, but didn't like it. It didn't fulfill what I wanted. Um, so, so really when I think of Brian and his journey, he's, he's a living example of what we're teaching our students and having a, a mentor who's on that same path is, is invaluable to our students. It's, it's what'll stick. It's not coming in and talking to Joshua and I about their feelings every day. That, that can be helpful in the moment. It can be helpful down the road when they're managing emotions, but when looking at somebody and working with somebody on a day-to-day basis, that's going through the same processes is is super helpful for that student's development. So that, that's what I think of when I think of, of, of Brian and our other coordinators. 
So. So, that is a really good example because um, all of us at one point or another have fallen on our face and have had to learn things the hard way. Um, but we've also had great social supports in order to help prop us up. And in some cases, some of the young adults we work with have not had that same support level of support. And so when they fall down, they're not sure about how to get up and what that looks like. And so we have a lot of people that are, I feel like qualified in terms of life journey in order to kind of give that direction and to say, Hey, you know, um, we don't have to just stay down. Let's get up, dust ourselves off and let's find another way to get there. And that's one of the cool things about this position that I've always found to be really fulfilling. Yeah. And you're, you're right. You touch on a couple of pieces when we talk about what makes a good mentor, what, what makes somebody, um, appropriate for this field, right? The first one is wanting to help people. We've talked about that. Uh, the second part is realizing that this is a dynamic field. You can't memorize the answers and then use the answers the rest of your life. You have to always be prepared to learn more, to change up the, the way you're doing things, uh, to utilize new information. Um, and that's key to, to the work that we do. And if we get somebody in the door that wants to help people and wants to learn, um, the, the sky's the limit, right? And, and as Chris has said, Brian's an awesome example of that, where it's always, here's where I'm at, what can I do now? And giving that feedback, applying it, and then learning the lessons through it. Yeah, you may fall on your face, but it's a lot more supportive when you're doing that with the team and the ability to process through than if you go out into the world and try to do it yourself, um, which is the same thing that we do with our students here in the program. This job is definitely a continuing education of its own. Always. Um, even beyond that, you know, two hours of training that mentors receive on a weekly basis, which I think is also really worth noting because I can't think of another job that I've had where I've had that much continuing education by people who are professionals in this field and a wide variety of of levels. What was kind of the thought process behind that of wanting to have such a level of continuing education on a weekly basis, Chris? Uh, it's definitely driven by Terry and Angela and, and their years of experience in treatment and working in other treatment settings. Um, they wanted a culture, at least on the employee standpoint, of just continuing to learn, continuing education, continuing treatment uh, education, so that they can continue to pass that on to students. Um, it's probably the most important thing uh, when I came on about, you know, a little over three years ago, when Terry approached me, his, his biggest focus was we need to be training every day, every, every moment is a, is a training opportunity with our staff, with our students, with each other. I, and there's still things that I learn from Terry and Angela. There's things I learned from Joshua. There's things that I learned from all of our coordinators because they all come from different places in life. And, and every time I pick up something new, I can then apply that to, to everybody else. And I can train our, our mentors that are fresh in the field on these things that maybe I hadn't seen it before in my experience. Um, maybe I hadn't seen it in a certain way and, and we get that feedback. So I just, I love the, the collaboration that we have at integrated. Um, and I, I value it very highly um, from feedback that I get from a mentor that's been on for a week that can be super helpful in training all of our staff. So, so for, for all of us, it's just super important to be open to that feedback and open to implementing new training st strategies, new training topics, and keeping it fresh for, for our employees. So. The fact that everybody sees things just a little differently, I think being able to bring in a wide variety of viewpoints and being able to see things through a different lens has been a, a huge part I think to the success that we experience here. 
because you know you can be so close to something uh, having worked in um, a field for so long but then you have someone come with a set of fresh eyes and that offers uh, a new viewpoint i think for growth and change and so i'm yeah i'm just a big fan of the the continuing education piece here yeah and it being a, a collaborative approach um, i think is so important and when we talk about our students um, and the people who are engaged in their treatment every week um, to our staff and the people who are engaged in their training every week, having it be a collaborative conversation, you know, what went well for you this week and let's talk about it in front of everybody so that everybody can see what went well or the vice versa, what didn't go well. Um, and to watch the staff come up with ideas that I would never have thought of that were successful that we can implement in other areas of the program is an awesome way to utilize that training to better our program where none of us are left feeling like we're so stuck in the mud that we don't get to see, um, potential opportunities for growth and change. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to join us today. I think it's been a great conversation. And one of the cool things about these conversations is you kind of start in one area and then it works its way to a wide variety of areas. And that's one of my favorite parts of these podcasts is that you start out with this kind of narrowly defined, like how do we get into the world of treatment? And then we're talking about kind of the continuing education and all the areas that make us, that, that make this company successful. But I think also from a, you know, the, general therapeutic mindset of what therapeutics are. And you know, I, I, another thing I wanted to just kind of touch on too is um, there was a time in, um, in society where it was more of a stigma that mental health was something that really people didn't talk about. And if you did talk about it, you were considered to be the one who was maybe quote unquote crazy. Uh, but that's not the case anymore. And I feel like that's something that's really growing. How do you see that from your perspectives as being providers um, as well, that that stigma of mental health is slowly those walls are being knocked down? But I think for myself, it's it's applying what I've, I've gained from all of my clients over the past in the counseling setting um, and, and helping new clients and students understand how prevalent it is and how normal it is to struggle. Um, even, even for myself, you know, we, we can bring in our, our own struggles with mental health in, a, in an appropriate way to, to really help others deal with what they're going through. We don't understand what they're going through, but I know what it's like to be pretty depressed, you know, and I can talk about that with a student or with a mentor and help navigate uh, their journey in, in dealing with those struggles. Uh, even when it comes to burnout and that sort of thing, it, it, normalizing it and helping people understand that we're all dealing with it and there's lots of really good ways to cope and deal with these things can really help set them up for future success in the field, knowing that, hey, I can, I can be depressed and still exceed uh, expectations in this field. I just need to work on my stuff as well. And, and that's an important part of those trainings that we do each week. It's not just to educate our mentors about what their students are going through. It, it might be to help them with what they're going through so they can be the best mentor they can be when they're on shift and working with our students. Um, it, it's super important. We're all, we're all dealing with it. Yeah. And social media has been a big part of that too. I think over the last 10 years, um, we're collectively understanding that words like depression and anxiety have meaning for all of us to some degree. Um, and that those feelings are, are quote unquote normal. Right. Um, and when we destigmatize mental health, um, we destigmatize those feelings. It makes it easier to to seek uh, advice and, and help in mental health treatment and all of that. 
um, and our youth, especially the youth that we're seeing today, um, they're, they're more open to that process because they already understand it to be um, something that most people need, at least to some degree. Well, I appreciate you taking the time as we kind of wrap up here, but um, thanks for, for joining us, uh, Chris Garrett, Joshua Westby, Brian Applegate, and uh, we look forward to being able to sit down with you guys here in the future.